The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Practical Spirituality Positive Messages This is Unity Online Radio The Voice of an Awakening World Welcome to Spirit of Recovery Offering support for your spiritual growth and addiction recovery Here's Rev. Lonnie Vanderslice and Rev. Dan Beckett Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery on Unity Online Radio, and we're glad you're with us today. I'm Reverend Dan Beckett, here with special guest co-host, Reverend Michelle Jellinch. Uh, Reverend Lonnie could not be with us today, and we wish her a speedy recovery. Today, Reverend Michelle and I will discuss ways that spirituality and recovery intertwine and work together to support your spiritual growth in your recovery journey. And if you're listening live, you're welcome to join the discussion with your comments and questions. You can call us right now at 816-251-3555. Again, the number is 816-251-3555. We'd love to hear from you. Facebook users, you can also message us during the show or anytime during the week from our Facebook page, Spirit of Recovery. Just click the Send Message button right below the banner. And just as with phone calls, anonymity is always respected. Today's show is titled, Live the Truth You Know. In the beginning of recovery, all we know is don't drink and go to meetings, or don't use and go to meetings. However, for many of us, this new information and this new way of living can quickly become overwhelming. How do we, quote, keep it simple and yet still, quote, practice these principles in all our affairs? That doesn't sound simple. Today, we want to share the way you can find the recovery path that's just right for you so that you can live the truth that you know. We'll begin by sharing our experiences of having that, that feeling of confusion that's common to early recovery. Then we'll move into the solution of finding the spiritual power of wisdom. After the break, we'll share exactly how we used that power of wisdom to arrive at an experience of clarity of purpose in our lives. So, Dan, what was your experience of that that feeling of confusion that's so typical of the early recovery time? What I remember first is that I, and I say this often, listeners who have been listening, uh, this is almost uh, a broken record from me on the, I did not realize how confused I was. I had no idea. I swear I'm going to get a t-shirt made. I didn't know. I didn't know. It's a, I had no idea how confused I was. I do remember 
that um, you know, and I'm I'm proud to say here on not just national but potentially international radio. Yes, I I, I drank myself into the hospital. Thank you very much. That <laughs> takes a lot of uh, dedication, you know, to the to the path. But while I was in detox, I remember going to the kind of the guy who was in charge of it. I knew that much, and you know, after maybe a day, saying. So what's the plan here? You know, what are we doing? And he looked at me just with the kindest eyes and he says, all you need to do is relax. And I knew there was a whole lot more going on than, than I could apprehend. I'm going to the guy saying, what's the plan here? You know, is there activities? What are we going to do here at Detox? He's like, you just need to chill out. So that's what always comes to mind first. I, I didn't even realize how, how um, you know, screwy, how fogged my brain had become. Yeah, there's definitely a brain fog that occurs in the early days, weeks, even months of sobriety. I mean, we're coming off of substances. And so, you know, things are a little foggy. And then we're also getting introduced to this whole new way of life. And there's definitely a confusion and overwhelm that we can experience in early sobriety. And then also, you know, we're alcoholics and addicts, so we like to jump into everything with both feet and go full blast. It's the way we do things in life. That's how we ended up here, right? Yeah. We don't do anything half measures, you know. We tend to kind of get a little carried away. So um, we bring that same intensity and um, energy level often to recovery. So it can get a little crazy at the beginning. I remember I, I heard an old timer say, you know, just sit down and be quiet. You know, your first year, you're just getting sober. You're just detoxing. <laughs> your first year, you know, you're I just know. detoxing. Just take it easy. That in itself it feels overwhelming. I can hear that being said now. Another way I knew that my brain was definitely not working uh, is that, and this took some hindsight. So this is a bit of a two-part um, experience. Uh, after a while, uh, I realized that I didn't really understand how close to the edge of the cliff I had gotten, you know, with my drinking. I had a sponsor early on, you know, in the first year, maybe in the first couple of months, who, uh, you know, as, as I was sharing my experience in my path, you know, it's kind of had this knowing look and he said, sounds like you had your toes right over the edge of the cliff. <laughs> and it almost scared me to hear him say it because I didn't know that I had my toes right over the edge of the cliff, but man, was he right. And after my brain cleared up a little bit, you know, after that first year, like the old timer was saying, um, I, I really began to see, and it's just, you ever have that experience where you look back and you, I was like shuddering, like, Oh my God, I can't even believe, you know, how close my car was to the edge of the road. I didn't know. I'm glad I didn't know because yeah. I think it would have really freaked me out. The part of the confusion for me in early recovery is things like that, not even realizing the danger that I had uh, found that I, that I had put myself in, you know, yeah. after all those years and really decades for me of, of heavy drinking. Yeah. The thing about living a life of drinking and using is that we adapt to it. We get used to it. It becomes our normal. And so we don't realize how bad things have gotten. And there's definitely a minimizing that is a part of addiction, right? I mean, we all did it. Um, you know, we when we came in, we, we didn't think things were as bad as they were because we had learned to minimize it. I remember, <laughs> God, it's embarrassing now, 
probably the first 30 days of my sobriety, I kept going to meetings and I would grab whoever would listen to me and I would tell them quickly, like the kind of drinking that I did and ask them, do you think I'm an alcoholic? Does that sound like an alcoholic to you? (laughs) And you know what they would say to me? I'm sure you know, you've probably heard this. Normal people don't go to AA meetings and ask people whether they think they're an alcoholic or not. (laughs) I was like, oh, that brought a lot of clarity for me in early sobriety. It's like, yeah, I probably belong here. (laughs) But there's definitely that minimizing that happens. We don't realize often until many years later, the um, situations we've placed ourselves in and the ways that we've been careless with ourselves and with others. Yeah, absolutely. Part of that confusion. I have a friend that related her sponsor saying to her, you know, the word party means there's more than one person there. (laughs) (laughs) Not in my house, it doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, we had a good laugh about that. It's like, dang, it kind of does. Party does mean there's more than one person. So maybe I'm not partying. Here's here's another thing I remember what it was like to feel confused or to be confused, not even realizing it in early recovery. So we'd hear a lot of things, and we kind of said this in, in the intro. Uh, a lot of people were saying a lot of things, and it didn't all make sense. So I would hear, keep it simple, right? Okay, that sounds easy. But then at the same time here, you got to do this, and you got to do this, and you got to practice these in all your fairs, and those are the 12 steps. And in, in my home group, and here are the 40 slogan signs all over the walls. Like, this does not, it, you know, I felt like uh, with all the info that was coming in, it, that, that was kind of inherently confusing. And I learned, of course, along the way to you know, take what works and, and, and let the rest sit. And maybe later th- that will be helpful, but it was just really confusing all of the in, influx of information and slogans and advice in early recovery. Absolutely. It's like learning a new language. You know, you really are learning a new language, the language of recovery. And like you said, there's all these new slogans for you to decipher and there's new ways of talking about things. And then you have the 12 steps and the 12 traditions. And then every group has its, you know, its own rituals and its own culture of how they do things. And so really, I think part of the confusion and overwhelm is is just that, that you're learning a whole new language, a whole new culture, really, because it's the culture of recovery. It's quite different. And it does, it did take a while. And I, uh, I think that really was for me, a big part of the confusion was all the lingo and the jargon and the, and the, you know, all the different people too. I mean, as, as an introvert, just going to recovery meetings, uh, you know, that was a, it's not like I couldn't do it or anything, but that's not my natural zone of comfort. So to go into a group of people that I don't know and, and they all, you know, I had always assumed, well, everyone else knows what they're doing. I'm just the only one that doesn't know what's going on. I learned that that's not exactly true, but that's how I felt going into it. So I would hear also things like, you know, keep coming back. That made sense. Uh, meeting makers make it, you know, that makes sense. Kind of a follow on to keep coming back. Then I get that. But then Then there were these slogan signs, and one of them said, think, and that sign was upside down. Look, why is that? I can fix that. Do y'all have a (laughs) screwdriver? Because I see a problem here. You're probably not aware that the think side is upside. You know, that's the kind of thing. I'm like, what on earth? That just didn't make any sense to me. Later it did, of course, but, you know, I I say this because it's just another example of all of the newness that can create in an already confused mind. I mean, the, the source of the confusion was not the program. The, it was, it was my own alcohol soaked brain 
that's right. the source of the confusion. But to you know to walk into such a different environment with that brain really highlighted it. Absolutely. And then you hear them say things like, you've got to give it away to keep it. And you're going, huh? It's like a Buddhist cone or something. It's a head scratcher. Yeah. And our brains are just detoxing at that point. So we don't really know what's happening. You know, I was just thinking that uh, when I was thinking about the brain fog, I was thinking those of us that have been sober long enough, remember when there was actually fog in meetings because you used to be able to smoke in AA meetings (laughs) and you would literally walk in and the whole thing was like one big cloud of smoke and you couldn't really see the people that were on the other side of the room. (laughs) I'm glad we don't have smoking in meetings anymore. But absolutely, you know, um, people say, you know, we we came to AA or, you know, whatever 12-step group to get clean and sober. But what we found out was that it was so much more than that. We had to learn a whole new way of living. And you're doing it in a really quick you know, amount of time. And some folks come through the recovery, you know, the um, rehab system or whatever. And But some people are literally still have their full-time jobs, still have their children, still have everything. You know, life is in session and you don't have a lot of time to really process how much your life is changing and so quickly. And so it can be quite overwhelming. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm remembering, you know, probably what I could have led with just the emotional roller coaster of the whole thing. You know, you go from just this great joy of, you know, we, the literature talking about like shipwreck survivors and yay, and you can really feel the camaraderie. And then later that day, it's just this despair, you know, oh my God, I'm a this and I can never do that again, you know, and just up and down. And one moment I'm on the pink cloud and this is great. And I'm so glad to be in recovery. And another moment that just the whole world seems like crap, you know, and, and I don't like anything and I don't care about anything. And it was just so difficult to be on that uh, roller coaster. I now know, of course, that that's part of the healing process and it's okay, but man, it's, it's really hard to be a part of. And that certainly contributed to my experiences of feeling confused in early recovery. But let's switch gears. And so now that we know about this challenge of feeling confused, especially in early recovery, what is the solution? Well, in unity, we affirm that all of life is governed by what we call spiritual principle. Yes, at Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore, he worked out a system of 12 basic abilities that all people have, and he called these abilities the 12 powers. And the, the power of the 12, the power that can illuminate our path forward from confusion is the power of wisdom. And that's what we want to focus on today. But it can be hard to understand exactly what something like that means. What does wisdom look or feel like? How is it a spiritual power. What does that mean? How can I go about finding it in myself? And and if I do, how do I know if that's what I'm experiencing or not? So when you think about or hear about the, the spiritual power of wisdom, Michelle, what does that bring to mind for you? Oh, gosh. Well, the first thing, when I, when I hear the word wisdom, to me, that because it's one of the 12 powers, it's one of the divine ideas, so to speak. Wisdom, true wisdom comes from God, from divine mind. And as alcoholics and addicts, you know, we pretty much had 
stopped um, relying on a higher power if we ever had one before, or, or maybe we just never did, you know, and we talk about that self-will run riot. So we are used to running the show pretty much on our own and doing it by um, the skin of our own teeth and our own what we think is wisdom, right? It's maybe small w wisdom. It's our own human wisdom, our own human collected um, knowledge. But really what it is, is a lot of maladaptive traits, right? <laughs> a lot of, and coping strategies and things that we've picked up to survive as addicts and alcoholics. And so um, the beginning of moving from small w wisdom into capital W wisdom is realizing that the wisdom we're really seeking is not our human ego wisdom, but it's the divine wisdom of God. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's a wonderful description and phrase of it. it, it it's it's very much, in a sense, it's very much beyond my uh, the capabilities of what I call my thinking mind, you know, or my my constructed sense of myself, you know, who I think I am, which is very different than the than the presence of the divine in me, what I now understand as my true identity, if you will, and so. You know, getting from the, I like the way you put that, the lowercase w wisdom, where maybe that's coming out of my thinking mind, to the uppercase w wisdom, which is something that we're, it's there, but maybe we're not perceiving it. But yes, it's absolutely coming from divine mind or from God. Yeah. One one thing that helps me a lot, especially when we're talking about something that is one of the 12 powers, is to look at, you know, how has it been described um, in the unity literature. And, and one way that wisdom is described is it is that it's our ability to evaluate, right? And so what that says to me is it, it's how I can observe something and in a sense to um, tell the difference between, you know, is this right for me or, or not right for me? Does this do I get this? Does this fit in or does it not really fit in? You know, that kind of assessing ability. And again, when it's coming from, you know, what it feels like for me coming from my gut, that that's when it's working best as opposed to coming out of my thinking mind. But, you know, either way, that ability to evaluate is one description that helps me get at, you know, what is this thing called wisdom? Right. Yeah. And, you know, like we talked about, wisdom is one of the 12 powers. It's something that is innate in all of us. But when we're drinking and using, it gets covered over with a lot of other stuff. So we don't really have access to it. And so we're running on our own self-will. And um, as we start to, you know, as the fog starts to clear, we start to, we that, that power of discernment and of um, sort of right judgment, um, it starts to come back online. But it takes time for that uh, that knowingness to reemerge because we've been just, you know, running on these maladaptive coping strategies and survival skills. And, um, and, and then the other thing, you know, I remember in getting sober as the brain starts to clear is that there's that moment that divine moment where you have, it's hard to describe, you have a moment to decide what you're going to do. You're not just constantly um, reacting and just kind of going full force. It's that 
moment where you can pause and that is the beginning of sobriety where you have the wherewithal to have that moment to you know is this right for me is this um is this my own will is this um god's will so to speak absolutely that that's reminding me of one way that I've come to understand recovery. One thing that I am, quote, recovering is I'm recovering the power to choose because I absolutely lost the power to choose specifically when it came to, you know, my, my addictive substance, which for me happened to be alcohol. And but I slowly regained that power to choose over time. I've also heard that described, you know, nothing to do with, with addiction and addiction recovery, but still very, um, I think appropriately defined as the point of integrity. You know, you come to a a fork in the road and I realize, oh, I it is a fork. It's not just one way. You know, I do I can choose this or that. You know, that ability in a sense to discern. Discern is another word that comes up um in the context of this power of wisdom that we talk about. Discern helping me tell one thing from another. You know, I heard um, an analogy a while back about how how little kids sort of take in the world. And, mm. and you can imagine that if, if there was a little kid who grew up in a house and, and they had a dog, you know, they, they learn just from being there what a dog is like. A dog is furry and they're short and they have four legs and they have a tail and you know just all these sort of attributes of a dog imagine when that child encounters a cat for the first time they're like what is that that's a we you know that's a very weird dog is what it is at first but then oh it moves differently yes it's also has fur and four legs but man its tail is different and it has a whole different vibe about it and you slowly differentiate you know you begin to discern like oh that's a dog and that's a cat so our minds learn to discern and that i think is the beginning of wisdom within us and when that gets applied at a spiritual level now we're in the realm of as you said, uppercase W wisdom, that kind of discernment. Yeah. You know, you really hit the nail on the head when you said the power to choose. And I think that's what I was trying to get at, but you, that just is, states it perfectly. When you get sober, you you begin to have the power of choice. Um, when we're drinking and using, there's not a lot of choice there. You know, we just do things. Um, we don't even have that moment to think about whether, you know, we just find ourselves in situations. You know, how did I end up here? I just, you know, you find yourself in relationships, you find yourself in jobs, you find yourself, you're like, how did I get here? You don't even, you know, there isn't that conscious discernment, that conscious um, power of choosing. You're not, so it's, it's a mindfulness that comes back online when you get clean and sober. You begin to be mindful of what's happening in your life. And that's the beginning of being able to make choices from a place of wisdom instead of just always in a reactionary way, you know, just reacting to the circumstances around you. Basically survival mode is what we're in when we're drinking and using, just trying to survive. And not even realizing it. Right. You know, another attribute of wisdom um, that I picked up from the the 12th power definition is the ability uh, to apply what I know, you know, to Mm. apply what we know. And so this whole, it's almost like a, a set of attributes to evaluate something, to discern this from that, maybe the right action for me from maybe not the right action. Right. And then the ability to apply that 
you know, to apply that observation or that, um, I guess in a way it's sort of a conclusion, you know, wisdom helps us draw a conclusion about uh, something or other. And it, 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 along with that goes the ability to apply what it is that I know. Right. Um, I'd heard a while back about um, a way of conceiving of our, our consciousness in that, in that at, at core, our minds are pattern matchers, right? We are pattern matching computers, so to speak. Right. Uh, again, like with the dog and the cat for a little kid, we're, we're comparing the patterns, the, pat the tail different here than it is there. And, and out of those patterns, we create meaning. You know, we, we create it. That, I believe, is when we talk about being made in the image of likeness of God, the creator, I think what we are creating, and we're so good at it, we don't even know we're doing it, we are creating the meaning that right. we uh, take as a given. And we're, of course, story-driven. You know, that's why the, the power of story is so strong. We are driven by a narrative. So wisdom, I believe, at least in part, you know, being able to kind of see that happening, to discern that, to evaluate this from that, and then to apply what it is that we've observed as we move forward. Again, you know, simple example, recovering the power to choose. Right. Yeah. So, you know, the other part about wisdom that I think is really important is, you know, in unity, we say that all wisdom comes from within. And that's because we have that divine attribute of wisdom within. And so moving from confusion to wisdom is about beginning to connect with ourselves, beginning to um, listen to ourselves more. We've been so cut off from ourselves during our drinking and using. And so, um, it's getting in touch again with that inner knowing, that, that knowing that is part of my divine inheritance. Um, and it can start with just, you know, how am I feeling today? When you're drinking and using, you don't know how you're feeling. You know, you don't know. You're completely cut off from yourself, um, from your feelings, from even your own thought process. And so it's that beginning of getting in touch with ourselves, with our own feelings. What am I thinking and feeling? What is happening inside of me? And for a lot of um, alcoholics and addicts, that's the last place we wanted to be when we were drinking and using, right? Was in touch with ourselves. And so it can be a bit frightening at the beginning. Um, you know, we tend to do a lot of things, a lot of, you know, busyness, workaholism, you know, other types of addictions to, to avoid that connection with ourselves. But that's, I can tell you after all these years of sobriety and a lot of work in unity, that that is where it's at, man. That's <laughs> where it's at is the connection with ourselves. It's all about the inside job. And there's nothing that we need to be afraid of in that. We get more comfortable with it as time goes by. But the, the true wisdom and divine knowing is really, really comes from within. Yes, I've heard that called spiritual understanding, which was another phrase that I loved. And absolutely, we learn that over time because we, in effect, have suppressed it through our uh, drug use. But hold that thought because it's time for a short break. And when we come back, we'd love to hear from you as we continue the conversation. The phone number to dial is 816-251-3555. Please stay with us.
I'm Diane Ray, Program Director for Unity Online Radio. And from all of us at unityonlineradio.org, thanks for your support and for helping us grow this year. We wish you a joyous holiday season. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Lonnie Vanderslice and Reverend Dan Beckett. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery, and we're glad you're with us today. If you're just joining us, my name is Reverend Dan Beckett, and I'm here with Reverend Michelle Jellinch. Reverend Lonnie couldn't be with us today, and we send her our love and wish her a speedy recovery. And we'll resume our discussion in a moment. Uh, First, we want to let you know that the phone lines are open, so if you have a question or a comment to share, please give us a call at 816-251-3555. Again, the number is 816-251-3555. So prior to the break, we were discussing those feelings of confusion and overwhelm that are typical of early sobriety. And then we moved on to the solution, which is the spiritual power of wisdom. We talked about what that means and uh, how we can recognize it and how we can better access it. And so, Dan, now that we've just now that we've um, talked about the challenge of, you know, the confusion in early sobriety and the solution being the power of wisdom, how, how can we use that power of wisdom so that we can come to greater clarity of purpose in our lives? You know, what first occurs to me uh, when I hear that question is slowly, you know, however it happens, I know that in my experience, it has happened slowly over time. Um, you know, we hear sayings in, in recovery meetings like uh, one day at a time and um, time takes time and things like that. Um, and what that told me even early on in, in the relative fog of confusion of my mind is that, that this is not going to happen like this week. You know, this recovery thing that I used to sort of think of as a, as a goal, you know, like an endpoint. Uh, you know, finding out it's actually a process and a way of being and a way of living, and it unfolds slowly. So the the way that wisdom has helped me get from that confused mind to a you know much greater greater clarity of purpose is slowly over time. Yes, absolutely. You know, typical of us addicts and alcoholics, we want it now. We want everything now. That's just kind of the way we operate. Now and if possible, yesterday, right? (laughs) And so sometimes we bring that impatience to early sobriety. Um, We already want to have a year, you know, when we just got a day. And we want to have all this stuff figured out and, you know, cut and dry. And um, that can lead to a lot of confusion. Like we talked about at the beginning, we're not only learning a whole new language, a whole new culture, we're learning a whole new way of being. And so I think you just really, you know, nailed it when you said it takes time. And that's not an easy thing for addicts to, um, you know, patience is not our strong suit, let's say. And so we need to cultivate that patience and learn that, you know, we are not going to have everything figured out immediately. We're not going to understand all of this or how it's all going to play out or how it all works. We um, have to have some patience. Absolutely. It it occurs to me also, and this is, uh, it almost seems counterintuitive in a way that that faith is really a factor in all this. I mean, I think we know that from 
um, from our recovery context, but I thought of it of the wisdom to rely on God. You know, yes. the decision to rely on this thing that we call God, whether we understand it or not, maybe we think we do and then find out we don't. And then again, we think we do. And then, well, maybe I don't, you know, wherever we may be in our understanding of the divine power, I think there is wisdom in the decision to rely on that thing. And I know for, for me and, and others whom I know in recovery, that's pretty hard for us to sort of rely on this, what can feel like a very vague and abstract thing. You know, we're yes. usually, as you said, we, we want it concrete, we want it here and we want it now. And, you know, I'm, um, I don't, I, I feel uncomfortable or I'm upset or whatever. And so I'll, I'll drink and then I'll feel okay. You know, I kind of want an instant solution. Right. So one way that wisdom has shown up for me is, is the wisdom to rely on God. And when I do that, I find, I have found, that a path just kind of naturally opens up. I, I don't even know that I could say exactly how that works. I'm not sure exactly how it works, but I know that it does work. And yeah. that at least in this way, for me, it can begin with this thing we call faith or what I'm saying is uh, perhaps uh, the wisdom to make the choice to rely on God, again, with that discernment and and how to use what we know aspects of wisdom. Well, I'm going to use it to rely on this thing called God that I don't understand for better or for worse. Yeah, I think the reason that faith is so powerful for a recovering addicts and alcoholics is, you know, like I've mentioned a number of times, when we're out there, we are self-will run riot. We are running our own show and possibly a number of other people's shows as well, you know? Oops. Yeah. And so um, faith is the antidote to that. You know, it's the beginning of reliance on something other than our own ego and will. And it's just the beginning of letting go of some of that control. You know, we typically are control freaks. We want to control everything in our lives so that we can feel safe. And when we begin to rely on a power greater than ourselves, we can begin to relinquish some of that control. And it can be frightening, but once you start to do it, whoa, what a relief it is. And you start to realize how much energy you have expended trying to control the outcome of everything in your life. Absolutely. And I love that phrase, power greater than ourselves. It's so open. You know, there's there's a, uh, a phrase, and I'm not going to be able to quote it in the, in the uh, recovery literature that basically says that, you know, God doesn't make it too hard for us. The doorway is wide open. That's the image that comes to mind. It's, it's a very wide door and there are lots of ways to get through it. But the bottom line is that we carry the, the concept or a relationship, if, if you will, with what we're calling a power greater than ourselves. Again, whether we understand it or not. Uh, one thing that's helped me a lot is the serenity prayer. Mm. Um, I remember early on, especially um, after I graduated from detox, I had the privilege to go to rehab. You know, I'm, my parents were so proud. They must have been so proud. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, boy. 
Uh, and in in rehab, we I heard the Serenity Prayer a lot, which I really, you know, I don't know that I had, I, I, maybe I'd been familiar with it, but it certainly wasn't a part of my life like it became at that point. And I remember it was so confusing. I'm like, oh, how can I remember this? It has like three parts, and then each part has two sides to it. Ah, oh, it's overwhelming. <laughs> that was another clue, by the way, of how how confused my brain was when I looked back and said, this was confusing. The serenity prayer was confusing. Yes, it was very <laughs> confusing. It was hard. I had to have like a strategy to remember what order to say the words in and all that. But anyway, it gets to the point where it says the wisdom to know the difference. And I thought, oh, here's a clue. You know, this whole serenity prayer is a wonderful uh, it's a wonderful guide. It's almost like a cheat sheet to life, if you will, because it talks about um, accepting or changing, you know, it is in a sense a fork in the road. Is this something that I can accept? Then I need to do that. Is this, is there something I can change? Then I need to do that. But on top of it all, I need to be able to tell the difference between, is this an accepty kind of thing or a changey kind of thing? And that right there, of course, is a lifelong endeavor. But uh, the serenity prayer comes to mind. Think about, you know, how, how, how is this thing we're calling the power of wisdom help me move from confusion to clarity? Well, the serenity prayer is a very concrete example of how it did because it puts the choice right in front of me. And even if I'm not sure, I at least know I do have a choice it's a choice about accepting or taking action, and it's based on wisdom. That right there uh, has helped me a great deal. Yeah, another thing that's really helped me a lot, and again, this is not um, something that comes natural for addicts or something that we're terribly comfortable with at first, but um, it's just the ability to be in the mystery and not know not know everything, not understand everything. And to me, that's hinted at in the serenity prayer as well. Um, you know, I've heard, I've heard it said, God works on a need to know basis. <laughs> you know, we're not given all the information right at the beginning. We couldn't handle it. You know, we could not handle it if we knew everything at the beginning. And so it's just being willing to know that, as we say in the program, more will be revealed. I don't have to understand all of this or know all of it or have it all figured out right now. I can know and trust that more will be revealed. The wisdom and information that I need will be there when I need it. And I can just let go a little bit that need to know and to understand. You know, I had heard throughout my recovery journey, but I remember it particularly uh, in the first years, um, people would say, it takes five years to get your mind back. Yeah. And, you know, at one year and two years, I didn't like that at all because I was yeah. pretty sure that my mind was back because I knew where I had been before. I knew how much clearer I was now, and I didn't like hearing that I was somehow deficient, right? right. I, I had my mind back, thank you very much. So I thought, yeah, right. And then after more years, some time passed, I shifted to, well, maybe that is true. Then by the time I hit five years, I'm like, okay, never mind. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> I understand now. Thank you. You know, and so those kinds of truths, the wisdom contained in a statement like that was not apparent to me in the yeah. beginning. Yeah, and 
Sorry. I'm grateful that there are wise people who are making wise statements like that, who are further down this path than I am, because by introducing me to these ideas, it's like they've been they've planted a seed. And that over time, that seed helps me to understand what this wisdom thing is. And it helps me to move from confusion to clarity and also to to see how at least in that one way, to see how I have moved from confusion to clarity. Now, I, I don't and won't ever claim 100% clarity. You know, I think I still have confusion in my mind and clarity, but of course, uh, I'm further down the road than I was, and it's an ongoing process of, of wisdom helping us find the path from confusion to clarity. It's still happening. I think it happens dramatically, especially in early recovery, the first, you know, one, two, three, five years, maybe. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'll get my mind back. I'm, I'm so grateful to the people that said that. And then, of course, put up with my skepticism. They were still nice to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, when I was in early sobriety, I knew everything. You know, I, I knew everything. I mean, you ever notice... <laughs> newcomers tend to really talk a lot in meetings and boy, you know, it's like I got five minutes of sobriety <laughs> and I'm pontificating on all this stuff. It's embarrassing to think back about it now, but you know, the old timers, they just sort of, they tolerate us cause they've been there. But I really thought, you know, within a few months, I thought I had it all figured out. I knew it all. And um, what I've really learned in my spiritual journey, as well as recovery journey is that the more I, the longer I'm alive and doing this journey, the less I know. And that doesn't make any sense in early sobriety, but over time it will begin to make sense to people is that, you know, the more you know, the more you know that you don't know because the world gets bigger and the path gets broader and you see, you know, all the things that you didn't know before. It's sort of it's sort of a you know spiritual paradox, but um, it's letting go of that need to think that I have it all figured out. You know, I think if I I think I speak a lot less in meetings now than I did in early sobriety. You know, <laughs> anyway, so there's just sort of that hubris that we have in the beginning where we think we've got it all figured out. And I think there's great wisdom in that in that progression that you're describing because we've all been there, you know, in early recovery and just so I remember just so excited uh, to be a part of it and really, you know, feeling like I've got it now and and not quite yet getting that in a sense the work was just beginning uh, and then later in a sense that the the work I, I don't even. I mean, I guess I would call it work, but doesn't feel like work, is ongoing. You know, the unfolding is ongoing. As you've said, more will be revealed is always a true statement I found on my recovery journey. Yeah. Um, one way that wisdom, again, it helped me move from confusion fusion to clarity and clarity of purpose is um, learning that, what's that old saying? Slow and steady wins the race, right? Yeah. It's like the tortoise and the hare um, analogy and the wisdom underneath that, or as I've heard it put, you know, you put one foot in front of the other. That's a, a that's a phrase that reminds me that that uh, wisdom is expressed one moment, one day, one hour, sometimes at a time, one yeah. step at a time, uh, putting one foot in front of the other. And I remember thinking things like, 
and, and this is, I realized how silly this was. And so I, I had fun with it. it. It was as if I would say, yeah, I really want to run a marathon, but this whole one foot in front of the other thing is for the birds. You know, I need to find a way to run a marathon that doesn't include all this, you know, pedestrian details, one foot in front of the other. <laughs> Come on. Don't you know who I am? Yeah, exactly. Don't you know who I am? I think that's a common thought to alcoholics. And, you know, it made me think that true wisdom is based on humility. You know, if we think we know it all, then we probably aren't in wisdom. We're probably in ego or, you know, human, our human understanding, but not the kind of spiritual wisdom that we're talking about today. Spiritual wisdom comes from a very humble place. So, you know, the Buddhists talk about beginner's mind. And it's pretty much the same thing Jesus was talking about when he said we need to come as little children. And so it's, it's again, it's a paradox. It seems counterintuitive. But when we come with that beginner's mind, that openness, that receptivity, that humility that I don't know. I don't know everything. I don't even know some of the things. You know, I, I don't always know what's best for me, and I certainly don't know what's best for you. Um, when we come with that, that real openness and receptivity of a little child, that's when I think we are moving into more spiritual wisdom rather than ego understanding. Because we're open. We're open to guidance. We're open to the wisdom that comes from source, which is divine mind. Yes, and that and that guidance will come through all kinds of different channels. And that's, I think, part of our wisdom development is to discern, you know, wh where is this coming? What is the message in this for me? Or what is the message that might be helpful to me from that person or from what someone just said, you know, kind of discerning in that way. Sponsorship comes to mind. You know, one, how did wisdom help me move from confusion to clarity of, of mind and of purpose? Well, sponsorship is part of it, particularly, again, the, the willingness, and you might even call this wisdom, the wisdom to listen, to get a sponsor and to listen to that sponsor. And to, you know, to do what they said. Now, if I'm honest, I have to say to mostly listen and to kind of do what they said and mostly do what they said. But sometimes it needed amending. You know, when I of first course. got into the program, I saw in, in step two that that some people were insane, right? Because it says that about uh, back to sanity. And, and so I figured my sponsor <laughs> must be one of them because he's telling me all this crazy <laughs> stuff. It doesn't make any sense at all in the first year. But, you know, I was nice to him uh, about it anyway. And then I noticed after a few years, he started to make a whole lot more sense. And I was just so proud of the progress that he had made, you know, from my first year of sobriety to my fifth year. Isn't that silly? Uh, my sponsor was wise from the beginning, right? It's the fog in my own head that was uh, distorting that. And right. so the wisdom that can come through, and, and the phrase I like to use is uh, trusted advisor, Yes. Right, because a trusted advisor, uh, a 12-step or a, a recovery sponsor certainly is in that role. But it could be other things too. You know, it could right. be someone at our at our work who just seems kind and to wise and knows what's going on. Maybe that could be a trusted advisor. And we do we do want to again discern who it is that we want to get into such um, a rapport with. But yes. Um, Finding and and making the the decision to work with a trusted advisor, I think there's wisdom in that, and Absolutely. that in itself helps illuminate the path to uh, clarity. 
I think that what you're talking about really is an important aspect of wisdom is, you know, when, um, when we're drinking and using, we're generally running our own show and we're not really asking, you know, for advice from anyone. And if they gave it to us, we probably wouldn't listen. And so learning how to seek out trusted folks that you can bounce things off of, um, you know, I always say, you know, you check it inside, it, you know, if you're trying to discern something, you check it inside or I check it inside, but then I also ask someone who, who I trust. So it's not that I just blindly listen to what somebody else says, but I have a number of different ways that I can check something out. One is, you know, checking inside with myself and another is going and asking someone that I trust. And like you said, it could be a sponsor, could be a minister, could be a trusted friend or family member. You know, nuggets of wisdom come from many different places. It could be something you hear at a meeting or, you know, at a big speaker meeting. Maybe it's someone talking, you don't even know them. But I mean, I can remember things that I heard people say 20 years ago because they're just those little nuggets. But again, in order to be open and receptive to that wisdom, to accessing that wisdom, we've got to have that beginner's mind, that openness and receptivity. If we think we know it all, you know, this is a story about the Buddhist master pouring tea for the student and the tea is pouring all over the saucer and spilling all over. And he says, what are you doing? And it's like, well, your mind is like this cup. It's already full. There's no room for any more wisdom to come in because it's already full of all your own ideas. So there's a certain emptying of ourselves and what we think we know so that we can get to the true spiritual wisdom. Absolutely. And again, part of what I'm hearing in all that is this is a process. You know, it's a process that unfolds over time. It takes wisdom to discern the path to wisdom. You know, it's kind of yeah. woven throughout all that we do. And, and some of the very practical ways, again, I, I spoke about sponsorship. Another one that comes to mind is that advice to um, go to 90 meetings in 90 days. You know, that's what they, yeah. that's what I heard in uh, rehab for, you know, when, when you get out of here, here's what um, you need to do if you want to be successful in your sobriety. Go to 90 meetings in 90 days. And you could file that sort of under the, the you know banner just do it you know as if the yeah. nike corporation has this great recovery <laughs> phrase because for some things that's that's kind of all we need to know it's the wisdom to take action that that we're you know or to take the advice that we're given by our trusted advisors you know the wisdom that says well you know i don't know but i'm pretty sure that they know i just get the feeling that that person does know and so maybe i'll follow those suggestions that is developing wisdom in my own self even if i'm sort of in a sense really borrowing someone else's wisdom uh, over time. So doing things like going to 90 meetings in 90 days, and then, of course, reaping the benefits of having gone to 90 meetings in 90 days. Uh, okay. it, it's all so interconnected. So the ways that wisdom can show up and, and help me clear that confusion over time and come to a place of clarity are, are many and varied um, yes. But if I'm willing to show up and to listen and to try things and to do things, and like you said, to be open, like beginner's mind, to be like little children, as Jesus said, then it is it is there for me to grow with. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I mentioned, I think a couple of times, you know, that true spiritual wisdom comes from within. And of course, the reason it comes from within is because 
at our core, we are divine beings. And so our, our inner wisdom is coming from that divine mind that is the truth of who we are. So how do we get access to that? How do we start to live from that place instead of from the ego mind? So I know a lot of people probably don't want to hear this, but something that has been really transformational in my life has been a daily mindfulness meditation practice. Oh gosh, what is she talking about? You know, I, I know there's a lot of resistance. I certainly resisted it for a long time. But what I want to say about it is that it doesn't require a huge time investment. If you can start meditating for five minutes a day, you can have a huge change in your life. And that's how you can access that inner wisdom. Absolutely. And here's a great time to shift gears and move into action because you're talking about taking action. You know, Unity's fifth principle states it's not enough to know these truths. We must live them. That means we must each take action in order to grow and recover. So here's something that you can do to move from confusion to clarity using the power of wisdom. So think of a way that you might be feeling confused today. Is there something about recovery, the whole process that just isn't making sense to you? Maybe you're hearing things in meetings that don't seem to line up for you or you just don't understand them. Or perhaps the whole thing just feels overwhelming sometimes. What's important is to pick one thing, something simple to focus on here in this exercise. Because you can take what we do here today into your life this week and return to it anytime you choose in order to find peace. So let's use the example of, of not knowing what you're supposed to be doing, feeling that confusion. Okay, so what we can do is use a statement of power or what we refer to in unity as a denial. And it's not denial like, you know, the denial is not a river in Egypt. It's a different kind of denial. It's where we deny the power of something over us. So in this case, we're going to deny any power to um, feeling confused and overwhelmed. We're going to deny the power of that. So you could say something like confusion and overwhelm are not the truth of who I am. They're not the truth of who I am. You can repeat it a few times in your head or even aloud can be powerful. When you do it, whether it's in your head or aloud, say it with conviction. Confusion and overwhelm are not the truth of who I am. And follow that up immediately with a bold, positive affirmation of a new experience. So you could say, the wisdom of God present within me guides me to clarity of purpose. Then take a few quiet moments to just relax and take it easy. There's no need to struggle. You can give thanks for your new experience in the world and move on with your day. We've come to the end of our time here together, and we hope you found something to help you on your recovery path. Thank you to Reverend Michelle for our discussion, and thanks to all who are listening to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We bless you wherever you are on your recovery journey. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. 
And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.